We continue in our study of Ephesians and specifically God's uh, the, this ongoing sentence that Paul has written in chapter 1. It's a runover sentence, as we say, and he is just praising God for his work, God's work in salvation. And so it's the amazing, wonderful, perfect work of redemption. And today we come to this uh, passage that's really about the work of the Holy Spirit in our redemption. Okay? So, uh, as we get started here this morning, I, I want to take you back. It was a Sunday night after church down in Southern California. And Noreen looked at me like, what's the matter with you? And I just was restless and I was in college, okay? And she was not sure what was going on. And we had just arrived back in the parking lot at the, at the college from church. And uh, I wasn't all that ready to let her go yet back to the women's dorm. And um, in fact, I think she might have even gotten out of the car. And I said, no, come back in. And what's the matter? What's the deal? So I, um, I drove over to uh, another church <laughs> and uh, parked the car. We got out and I stood there and I said, Noreen Oda. Yes, her maiden name is Oda, O-D-A. Will you marry me? That was the most nervous moment of my life. <laughs> but you know what? It secured, initially secured, this woman to me. <laughs> because many uh, were very interested in this young lady. So, then I finished the deal with an engagement ring later on. I didn't have the engagement ring right there. But, hey, you know, it worked. <laughs> okay? So um, that's one story, and you have stories about that also, you know, that moment where the, the deal was sealed, as we say. And that's what we're going to be talking about here, because God sealed the deal in redemption. Okay? Um, even nowadays, it might be that you give your son or daughter a purity ring or a purity uh, necklace, um, a similar type of aim to do what? Keep oneself till marriage. Keep yourself, young girl, for the man that you're going to marry. Young men, keep yourself for the woman that you will marry. This is a, a, another part of it. It's just, you know, it's not exactly the same there, but it's, it's something that we we want to encourage. That's good. But here this morning, a lot of it, a lot of this passage comes down to the issue of, the, or the subject of assurance. And a lot of times we want to place that effort on ourselves. 
that we, you need to make sure you have assurance of salvation. How many of you have assurance of salvation? You don't have to raise your hands. But think about that. Do you have assurance of your salvation? And that ought to stir up a lot of thoughts right now, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. That ought to stir up concern in your life. Once a person dies, um, that's it. Okay? There, it's not that you get to press A, uh, letter C to get an option, or D, letter F, uh, number two, or whatever the options are. I think of, I think of um, five guys, they have the options for s- s- soft drinks and such. You know, you push this, and then you push that, and you get your flavors and all that. You don't do that with eternal life. Okay? You come to faith in Christ and the idea of redemption, the truth of redemption is God seals the deal. And that's what we're looking at. In this passage, um, well, I tell you what, before we get into the study of the passage, um, R.C. Sproul, many of you have heard R.C. Sproul on the radio, on KNIS radio. I want to read this section that he has, this um just a couple of paragraphs on the Holy Spirit. Because that's what we'll be talking about today, is the Holy Spirit. We wonder why the title Holy is ascribed in a special way to Him, the Holy Spirit. The attribute of holiness belongs to the Father and to the Son as well, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yet we do not normally speak of the Trinity in terms of the Holy Father, the Holy Son, and the Holy Spirit, we just, it's about the Holy Spirit. And why is that? Though the Spirit is no more and no less holy than the Father and the Son, the Holy in His name calls attention to the focal point of His work in His plan of redemption. The Holy Spirit is the sanctifier. He is the one who applies the work of Christ. That's what we studied last two weeks ago. The work of Christ accomplished. The Holy Spirit applies that work of Christ to our lives by working in us to bring us to full conformity and the image of Christ. In salvation, we are not only saved from sin and damnation, right? But we are saved unto holiness. The goal of redemption being holiness. So, if you're saved, here's what Ephesians is bringing forth. In our memory verse, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, why? That we would be, class, holy and blameless before Him. Okay? So, here's that... that that purpose behind. So, what we want to do is, is walk through this passage, starting in verse 11, going to verse 14. In Him also, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge 
of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So that's the end of the sentence finally from verse 3 all the way to verse 14. So we'd like to start with point number one, if you want to follow along in your outline, point number one is the basis, the basis of his inheritance. Now, in your outline, I've put in letter A and letter B, but I didn't get letter C in there. So there is a letter C you can put down at the very bottom of your outline on the front there. Letter A is the fact of our union, the fact of our union. And then letter B is the cause of our union. And then letter C, it would be, for lack of a better term, the date of our union. The date of our union. So we go back up to the fact of our union. Letter A, the fact of our union. It's seen with that phrase, in him. In him. That's what's happened by responding to the work of Christ on the cross. When a person has faith in Christ, immediately the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us, baptizes us, not water baptism, but baptizes us, places us into the body of Christ. That's a mystery. And you might not have felt that, but that's what happened when you put faith in Christ. The Spirit of God put you, placed you, baptized you into the body of Christ. Okay? So these blessings that are listed in verses 3 through 14 are only given to those who are in Christ. They're not just general, hey, grab some if you want. No, it's only for those who are in Christ. So that's the fact of our union. There's got to be union to receive this inheritance that God has promised. Letter B, the cause of our union. You look at verse 12 and 13. To that end, that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also, here it is, believed, you were sealed in Him. So, the cause comes back to, here's the... Here's first a divine perspective. The divine uh, perspective that we have is that it's about God's plan. God's plan. He brought this about. The obtaining of the inheritance, he says, is predestined. We're having a hard time with that, right? We can't get our minds around that, right? But that's what it is. In him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose. Okay? So it's about God's plan. It's according to his purpose. This is what he designed. It's like the blueprint. When you walk into this building, back in the, what, early 70s, the blueprint was made. And you don't, you don't come in thinking, hey, I want to I see that blueprint. You come in and say, wow. Okay, nice building. Same thing with a big skyscraper. You don't demand the, the uh, blueprint right away. You just observe and, wow, this, how did this come about? That kind of thing. Okay? And see, we get a, a touch. It's like we can touch God's blueprint by just, uh, it's just a touch. It's just a glance at it because it's mentioned in Scripture with that term, predestined 
He predestined us. Okay? Then it's not just God's plan, but then it, it follows through with God's power. That's the next one under letter B. God's plan leads to God's power. Look at what it says there. Okay? In verse 11, it's according to His purpose. What's the next phrase? Who works, right? Who works all things after the counsel of His will. And that term works is from the Greek word to be operative, to be effective, to be at work. So God who works all things after or according to the counsel of His will, that's whatever He plans. He works it out. He makes it effective. Thus His power brought forth your salvation, your union in Christ. That's His doing. And then it leads to this third point, God's praise. Or maybe a better word, God's preeminence. God's preeminence. It's to the praise of His glory, is what we see there at the end of verse 12. To the end that you who are first to hope, or that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. Emphasizing that He gets first place in everything. That's what Colossians is about, right? And that's the challenge and the encouragement that you and I need on a constant basis to remember, oh, Christ has first place. Jesus said Himself, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And so in our lives, that's, that's the direction and the, the momentum that we want to have in our lives and encourage one another in that way. Emphasizing that He has first place in everything. Christians are to praise God for His plan and His power to make it all come about. That you can then stand back and give God glory and give God praise. Whether it's in regards to creation or whether it's in regards to the forgiveness of your sins. And the the assurance of going to heaven. This is not just... You know, it's not, let's, I'll just use myself as an, as an example. It's not that I'm just all wired up about, about it because I figured it out. And I'm just all excited about praising the Lord. It's not that. Do you understand that? It's not based on, you know, the energy that you can develop and that you can build up. It's based on the truth of God. And the more that you, Christian, will dive into the Word of God and learn of it, Now we're talking. Here we go. Why? Because the Spirit of God will use His Word to bring forth growth in your life. Why is it that we have yawning Christians in life? No big deal. Hey, I'm going to heaven. Why? Because all, all I want to believe then, if that's me, all I want to believe then is, hey, I got my ticket punched, I'm going. I'm going to heaven. Isn't that good enough? Isn't that? Isn't that good enough? Really? It's not good enough, according to the Bible. God wants His children to, what? Develop and grow. Like, develop muscles. Okay? He wants you to grow and develop spiritually in that way. Grow in the faith. Grow in grace. Okay? So the process of God's saving work 
is shown here. And God orchestrated it all. He orchestrated it. Here's our election that was mentioned earlier in this verse, uh, in this section. Our election, our adoption as sons, our redemption. And guess what? It all crescendos to this idea, like a, in a musical, you know, orchestra, you know, performance, whatever. It crescendos and builds. And you and I can then say, I, I have obtained his, I've obtained, obtained this inheritance. I have what He's promised me. Do you know what He's promised you, Christian? Do you know? And so, it all ought to result in the praise of His glory. That's like, that's like a sentence that just wants to keep going on and on and on in your life. To the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. Okay? That's what ought to be what we as Christians ought to be growing in. It shows us that He's the one who made it happen. It's all about His doing. It's all about God. His plan, His power, His preeminence. And that's what chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 are about. Okay? Now we go to letter C under number 1. Letter C under number 1 is this business of the date of our union. Okay? Now... The reason I say this is this gives us more of man's perspective. We just talked about God's perspective, God's plan, God's power, God's preeminence. Now the perspective that you and I have is here also in verses 12 and 13. It's how how people come to obtain this inheritance. When did you claim it? I just told you when I claimed (coughs) my wife, (laughs) she claimed me too. But we, we get that. Oh, it was back in 1970, what? Eight. I was right. Not in 79, 1978. So, that's when that happened. Now, same thing. When did you become a child of God? It's surprising. People will say, oh, well, I've always been a child of God. No, I mean, not by creation. How else, you know, God created people. God created human beings. So yes, everyone's a child of God in that way. No, well, in, not in the way of faith and grace. By creation you are, sure. But when did you become a child of God through Jesus, through faith in Jesus? When? Do you know? Okay. Now, not everyone can name a date. Not everyone can, but here's how it happened. That's what we have here. Look at verse 12. To the end, that we who are the first to hope. Who's that? Who's the first to hope? Well, we understand that to be the apostles and Jews. Because they had the Messiah show up to them. Now, Jerusalem and many in Jerusalem and in the nation of Israel rejected the Savior. They rejected Him. Obviously, they hung him on a tree. But for those who received him, his apostles, and then following in Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 2, many were added. Okay? Jews. Now, he goes on to say, they did this by faith. Then verse 13, the thought continues, and you also. Who's that? Gentiles. He's, who's he writing to? Who's he writing the letter to? 
Ephesian Gentiles. So he's just opened up the gates here to say, we who were first to hope, Jews, and you also, Gentiles. Is there any kind of people group? No. Interesting thought that God's design, God's desire is from all nations, all tribes, all tongues. He's not just saying, I'm, I'm going after the Jews. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for that? Okay. So whether it's people from Northern Europe or Southern Chile, Chile, <laughs> whatever, you know, God's desire is to see them come to faith in Christ. And that's the idea. Once they place their faith in the Lord Jesus, well, how did they do that? How did they come about placing their faith in the Lord Jesus? Well, they had to hear the word of truth. That's what he's saying there. Okay? We'd be to the praise of His glory. In verse 13, in Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation... Okay, so they heard the message and they believed they had faith in what they heard that Jesus lived. He died. He was buried and he rose again for their redemption. And they believed the gospel message. And the Lord changes their lives. How does he change their lives? Oh, the Holy Spirit entering their lives to bring about change. He's the one. As Sproul, R.C. Sproul mentioned, he's the one that's the sanctifier. Okay? And so, Paul, he, he writes, uh, or not writes, um, it's Luke in Acts chapter 20, writes about Paul. And Paul says this to the Ephesian elders. And now, brothers, I commend you, follow this, Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders before he wrote this letter. He's saying this, and now, brothers, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you what? An inheritance among all them who are sanctified. Now, there's another section I'm going to read here from R.C. Sproul. Pay attention. Here we go. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. He is sent to us by both the Father and the Son. His mission includes fulfilling the role of our teacher. The Holy Spirit is the author of sacred scripture. He's the one who inspired the original writings. He's the one who illumines the word for our understanding. He's the one who uses the word to bring us under conviction. The Holy Spirit may be distinguished from the word. This is the important part. Listen. The Holy Spirit may be distinguished from the word. But to separate the word and the spirit is spiritually fatal. Fatal. The Holy Spirit teaches, leads, and speaks to us through the word and with the word, not apart from or against the word. And then Sproul goes on to say this. How grievous... It is to the Holy Spirit when unbridled spirits mock God by claiming the leading of the Spirit when they're acting against the Word of God. The Word of God is the Spirit's Word. The the Spirit never teaches against the Word. The Word is truth. It is the Spirit's truth. And that's why the Bible tells us, 1 John chapter 4, test 
the spirits to see whether they are from God or not. Very powerful passage there from R.C. Sproul. Okay? So, people respond to the convicting work of the Spirit of God in their lives. They hear the message and conviction sets in. They're convicted over what? What are they convicted over? Over three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Okay? Sin, because you and I are sinners. We need to be hearing the message of the gospel to be convicted that we're guilty sinners. Do you know that? That's what God tells about you. No matter how charitable you are, no matter how nice you are, no matter what, you are a sinner, you're guilty before God, you deserve condemnation and judgment. But thanks be to God who sent Jesus to be the Savior. Put your faith in Him. His righteousness will be credited to your account. That's how we can be looked upon by God as being holy and blameless in Him. In Him. In Him. In Him. In Him. How many more times? In Him. Are you in Him? Okay? So, faith then comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. And so faith is the positive response to the gospel message. Faith is our response to God's, get this, God's elective plan. God's got His elective plan out there. When you respond in faith, you're responding to that plan. Um, John MacArthur says this. It's a helpful little statement. God's choice of men is what? Election. God's choice of men is election. What is men's choice of God? Faith. Faith. Belief in Him. Okay? But listen, in America we have succeeded at trying to make this faith out to be just a head knowledge thing. Oh yeah, I believe that. No, that's not the kind of faith. The faith that God talks about and the faith that the Bible gives us is really a faith that displays repentance from sin. Why? Because if I'm a believer, the Holy Spirit is in me bringing about holiness in my life. That's what He wants. So genuine faith in Christ brings that about. Not perfection, but gradual. Over time. It's a process, right? So... It also, this kind of genuine faith also is depicting love for Christ. A real love for Christ. What about those that don't respond? What's the opposite of it? It's resistance to the Holy Spirit. Resistance to the Holy Spirit. My friend, you might be here this morning, um, and it might be that you are resisting the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm not talking of those who have put their faith in Christ. I'm talking about those who just keep stiff-arming the work of the Spirit of God, bringing about conviction. And you keep throwing out the stiff arm, saying, no, it's okay, it's not a big deal, I'm not going to go there. You keep stiff-arming the Holy Spirit, resisting the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, I just want to say this from Matthew 23, listen to this. Jesus laments over that response. Do you know that? Jesus laments over it. He lamented over Jerusalem. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who you who kill the prophets 
and stone those who are sent to you. How often I have longed to gather you, your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. That's what he said to Jerusalem for rejecting him. And we have to be sounding out the warning, my friend. If you're resisting the Holy Spirit, you're going to end up desolate. You're going to end up separated from God forever. Come to faith in Christ. Okay, we move on to the back of your outline, if you're following that. We've got the basis of his inheritance. And now number two is the bonding The bonding of his inheritance. We go back to verse 13 and 14 um, and and point out this work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We who have put our faith in Christ, we have been, look at the end of verse 13, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So letter A under number two is God's lasting seal. In those days, and prior to that, official documents were sealed. Real simply, most of you are aware of it. Uh, pouring out a little hot wax and then having the stamp of a ring or some sort of a stamp put on that to seal the document. Okay? And this is the word picture that we have for the Holy Spirit from God. So what does this indicate? It's, it's a rich term for us. God's lasting seal indicates first ownership and authority. Ownership and authority. The seal of a king or the seal of the owner of the, you know, the sender of the letter, if you will, is meant to be shown as his. It was his stamp. It was his. So now that letter represents him or her. Christian, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are no longer your own. You are His. Therefore, glorify God in your life and in your body. And there's also the element of not just ownership, but authority. He gave the letter as, here's, this is priority. Here's, and it's authority that is represented. It also maintains security and authenticity. God declaring you as secure in Him. That letter that was sealed, that was protected all the way to get to its recipient. And Christian, you are sealed. You are sealed and it's a secure thing. It's not a, oh man, you blew it again and now you're no longer. You're no longer His child. No, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. So it's the work of the Spirit that brings assurance to the life of the believer. How are you and I responding to the work of the Spirit? I have a lot of people that say, well, I just don't know if I'm saved. I I prayed that prayer, I did that, you know, and I just don't know. What's the answer for that? The answer is that you continue walking with Christ in your life and that's supported by the word, the working of the word of God and the spirit of God, bringing conviction, bringing comfort, bringing growth, bringing fruit. What we see in Galatians chapter five, the 
fruit of the of the spirit. So, the lasting seal indicates ownership, authority, and maintains security and authenticity. That authenticity factor is that the seal was as good as the king's signature. God declares you to be an authentic child through faith in Christ. And if that wasn't enough, look at what he adds to this lasting seal. Letter B, God's loving pledge. God's loving pledge. Look at verse 14. Who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. That pledge is it's guaranteed with the seal. It's together, sealed and pledged. In the King James Version, it's, it's, a, it's the word earnest, a down payment. Remember your first down payment on your house? Okay, or your car? You know, it was exciting. Okay? And this is the idea. Here's God's loving deposit, His pledge. And this is also what's developed now into the idea of an engagement ring. So, under letter B, as a deposit, it's God's loving pledge as a deposit and as an engagement ring. So, again, the idea of securing that individual in regards to marriage. Number three, the final point that we have here, and that is the beauty of his inheritance, the beauty. So we have the basis of his inheritance, the bonding that draws us in, the bonding, and then this, the last one, the beauty of his inheritance. It's both present tense and future tense. The beauty of his inheritance, do we look for it? Do we read about it? Future tense, just take a look at John chapter 14. Turn there, please. John chapter 14. You can keep your marker in Ephesians 1 and turn to John chapter 14. Starting at verse 1, Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Ah, he's not going to come again. That's, you know, that's pie in the sky stuff. That was a stretch to the truth here, wasn't it? Really? Well, if we say that that's not really all that true, then what else are we going to cut out? Where do we start cutting out on the promises? We don't. We take these as promises, His precious and magnificent promises. He's going to prepare a place for us. And He will come again. Okay? That's beautiful. Especially if you are going on what the Word tells us about what God and heaven are all about. <laughs> Beautiful. So, go back to Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 14. 
says that the Spirit of God is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Okay, now, listen, that's... In the context, that's saying, yeah, we, we've been redeemed. But also, there's the final payment, the final installment, when there will be the time of glorification. Okay? And that's the idea under letter A. His final payment, his final payment, will be the completion of the redemption of God's own possession. And it's known as the summing up of all things in Christ. We don't yet see that right now in this present time. And so, his final payment will, will come about. And in Romans, just mark down Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And listen to verse 29 and 30. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. There's that word again. He predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So that will take place in the end. (laughs) Christians die. Their bodies are buried. They will be raised Because the corruptible can't handle the incorruptible. The perishable can't handle the imperishable. So there'll be a miracle that God will bring about. Bringing forth glorified bodies. That's what he did with Jesus in his resurrection. And that will be likened unto our resurrection. So letter A is the final payment. Letter B under number three is our forever praise. That's what he finishes verse 14 with. It's with a view, what's coming, what's in the future, to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. For believers, the ultimate goal, which will be, really, we could say, the ultimate beauty of our lives, the ultimate satisfaction of our lives, is God's glory. Okay? Now, I said present and future tense. So, folks, stay with me here. Present tense. Is my life showing forth praise, the beauty of his inheritance, or is it showing forth my own agenda in my life? In Christ, the redemptive work is to bring about glory to God in your life, praising him in your life. And that's what we'll continue studying in the book of Ephesians as to how we continue on doing that. It's so easy for me, it's so easy for you to respond to life situations with a cruddy attitude. Oh, here we go again. And by the way, I can say that here at church because here's another situation, here's another. <laughs> and you can do it too, at work, at home, with your family. Oh, here we go again. Man, I'm so upset. I don't know. Well, I'm not keeping my eyes or you're not keeping your eyes on how great and glorious Jesus is. It starts with faith. Faith in what Jesus accomplished. Faith in the Son of God. And asking Him to be taking your life. You're offering it up back to Him. He created you in the first place. 
And now in faith, you're saying, I respond to what Jesus did. I offer up my life. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender. Here, here's my life. Now walk with him. Learn of his word. Keep walking in the truths of his word and tracking with the, the leading of the spirit of God in your life. It's all for God's glory that your life would more and more show that. This is the job, by the way, as we close this up this morning. This is the job of the Holy Spirit to magnify Christ in your life. And it shows in kind of an indirect way how often I grieve Him, how often you grieve Him. Because we're not magnifying Christ in our lives. Let's magnify Christ in our lives. Let's respond to the Spirit of God working in us and teaching us, guiding us in the, spirit, in the things of truth. As we close, can you, can you just stop and think about this? Can you understand everything about the internal workings of some uh, monstrous computer? Can you understand everything about that? If I were to show up at the base and they were to tell me to go fix the engine or the, the, the cockpit or the display on the jet, you would be in trouble. I have no clue. Okay? Um, can you understand, you know, complex things in a, in a full, in a full way? Can you understand the workings of the universe? No, we can't. We can't understand fully about God's predetermined plan. But we can understand what He's offered you in salvation. God's holy. Man has strayed from God's holiness. He's, he's rejected God. He's strayed. God provides an answer and a resolution in Jesus. He's perfect. Now, have you responded to that in faith? If you have done that, you need to keep coming and keep growing in the things of the Word. Be in the Word of God. Read it. Devote yourself to it. So, don't balk at His work. Don't say, well, I didn't get all the details in the blueprint, so I'm going to kind of hold Him off. Don't act like that. Don't reject Him. Look at what Christ has done and come to faith in Jesus Christ. Would you please, as we close in, in our time in prayer, please stand and just let's... Um, I want to read this to you as a closing time in our service this morning. Is the Holy Spirit less than the Father? Is the Holy Spirit less than the Son? No. We have we believe in a three in one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We understand that the Holy Spirit comes and brings about conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And we believe that the Holy Spirit then seals the deal with the child of God. And so I'd like to read this 
This is a, a text from a hymn, Holy Spirit. Just close your eyes and bow your head and listen. It says a prayer. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life into my willing soul. Bring the presence of the risen Lord to renew my heart and make me whole. Cause your word to come alive in me. Give me faith for what I cannot see. Give me passion for your purity. Holy Spirit, breathe new life in me. Holy Spirit, come abide within. May your joy be seen in all I do. Love enough to cover every sin in each thought and deed and attitude. Kindness to the greatest and the least. Gentleness that sows the path of peace. Turn my striving into works of grace. Breath of God, show Christ in all I do. Holy Spirit, from creation's birth, giving life to all that God has made. Show your power once again on earth. Cause your church to hunger for your ways. Let the fragrance of our prayers arise. Lead us on the road of sacrifice. That in unity, the face of Christ will be clear for all the world to see. Lord, we bow and thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the work that you continue to accomplish for your glory. And may we, as your people, hunger for you. May we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit prompting us and convicting us. And may it all result to your praise and your glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful day.